What's up, guys? Welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you an honest account of actor life. And today, it's definitely not just L.A. We'll get to our guest in a few minutes, but I just wanted to say hi, guys. Thank you so much for all the love last week. I got so many DMs and so many messages from you guys who loved the podcast and Kate's messaging and everything she had to say and I truly did too. The second I finished recording it, I immediately went back and re-listened to it because I was like, there's a lot in this I need to digest. So if you missed that episode, make sure you go back and listen. So many good things in there. Also, I loved seeing you guys share it on your Instagram stories. So thank you guys who did that. I messaged you all back. I appreciate it so much. I know we have a lot of new listeners this season, which is thrilling. So hi, welcome. If you haven't yet, you should follow me at One Broke Actress on Instagram because I'm sharing a lot more from our podcast guests in this whole season as well as other various parts of the day-to-day, all that good stuff on the Instagram. So make sure you follow there. Um, also, today is Tuesday when this podcast comes out. So that means tomorrow is Wednesday, which is our book club meeting. That's right. (laughs) And that's me. Do you guys remember um, Ask Ashley on uh, all that? It's a good times. Um, So tomorrow, our book club meeting, I am talking with Sarah Centrea at 11 a.m. Pacific time on One Broke Actress. I'm live streaming it into the Facebook group. I'm taking a big step in my millennial technological career. (laughs) I'm live streaming an interview into the Facebook group. So make sure you guys check that out. If you haven't yet liked the One Broke Actress page on Facebook, do that there. And that's where I will live stream the book club chat with her into. And then afterwards, we're going to meet in our own private Zoom room. I am sending all the links to all of this out beforehand on the email list. So if you're not subscribed yet to the One Broke Actress email, make sure you get on that. And uh, just so you guys know, we're not going to have a podcast sponsor every single week this year because I don't think I love 12 things that much (laughs) to recommend them to you. Um, So those of you who loved last week's sponsor, Ashley Pollard, please keep her in mind if you're still kind of deciding on your own side hustles or your own side projects and organization. Let me know if you guys have any questions about that. All right, guys, should we get into the episode? On today's episode, we have Kurt Yu. You might have caught a glimpse of him in The Haunting of Hill House, Insatiable, Cobra Kai, or the movie Tag. He has a billion credits, you guys. It's wild, and he's going to share with us his story. Kurt has an awesome story because he is actually a software designer turned successful actor from Cleveland, Ohio. Guys, this is a super fun one because Kurt has a really original story of how he got into this acting world and how he wound up being so successful in the city of Atlanta. He talks us through his choices to move there and what his previous job taught him about keeping and tracking his auditions and how it has served his career. He also talks us through his YouTube channel, which is the Acting Career Center. He tells us how rebranding it during quarantine has made him consistent and his tips on how he would recommend getting started if you guys are interested in creating your own YouTube channel. And of course, as always, on these episodes, we end up talking a little bit about the imposter syndrome when you make yourself an expert of anything. This is a really great podcast, guys. I think you're all going to enjoy it, whether you live in Atlanta or any other city. There's a lot to take out of this one. So without further ado, please enjoy Kurt Yu. Usually, I've been skipping the bios this season, but I think yours is so interesting. I would kind of like you to walk us through how you turned to acting as a profession because I think it's really (laughs) interesting and different from a lot of my other guests Uh, so I got into acting by getting a degree in computer science like most people do right (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so I I never did any acting in uh, you know middle school or high school or college or anything like that I I, um, went to college for computer science I went to an engineering school Graduated with that degree and immediately got a job in the corporate world. So I started working as a software developer. And then back in 2008, I was, well, here comes my dog. She's crawling on my lap. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. So back in 2008, um, I was working as a software developer uh, full-time and uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I grew up. And um, I was looking first 
you know, something to do after work, me and my buddy, my best friend from high school, he was also working corporate at a different company, but you know, we just get together after work all the time and like go to happy hours or just, you know, stuff to do after work. And then that just got kind of old and we just started looking for other things. And one day it was actually after leaving a bar one day, we happened to walk by uh, this little acting studio, uh, you know, that was just on the street and uh, they weren't having class at the time because it was like 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was, you know, they had a phone number and an email address on the window. So we jotted that down. We're like, maybe this will be something, you know, fun to do. And between the two of us, he was the one that was probably more interested in it because he is more of the movie buff and he's more interested in like the writing directing part of it. Not so much the acting, but he kind of wanted to get into the acting class for that. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, I'll go and do this with you, you know? Um, <laughs> So that's how it all kind of started. So this was a, a, a class in Cleveland, Ohio. And it was kind of like a diamond in the rough too, because I didn't know jack shit about acting <laughs> when I started, right? And uh, so when they said that this was a class that taught the Meisner technique, like, I didn't know what that was. I was like, okay, whatever, you know? Right. And, you know, come to find out later that it's like totally legit, you know? And, um, and she are my acting teacher who opened the school in Ohio, she used to, uh, she used to be in Los Angeles and she even uh, taught for a while at uh, Playhouse West. And then she had to move back to Cleveland because uh, her father was sick. So she moved back to Cleveland and then just decided to open up her own little tiny acting studio. Um, and now it's grown to be something huge. She's got multiple locations in Cleveland and you wouldn't think there'd be like this legit Meisner training school in a small market like that. But, you know, so we just kind of lucked into it. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of grew from there for me. I started, uh, I took classes for a year just because I enjoyed it. I had no expectations. Yeah. What was it like being an actor hobbyist? Because I feel like we don't see a lot of those, like just mm. going to acting class for fun. Were you just getting enjoyment of trying something new out of it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You don't see that very often in the bigger markets, right? Because anybody who's trying to pursue acting in LA or New York and even now Atlanta, uh, you know, you're really trying to pursue it as a career. Whereas in small markets like Ohio, like 99% of the actors are not going to be able to do it for a living. And uh, there's, that just really isn't possible. Uh, although I, I know a couple people that are, that are able to, to do that, which is amazing. Um, but uh so a lot of the people there are still trying to, you know, they're still trying to act, but most of the time it's going to be the side job. Like almost everybody has a, their, their main job and acting is kind of the side hustle. Uh, whereas, you know, in LA and in New York, it's, it's the reverse, right? Yeah. Um, so I started doing it as kind of a little side hustle. I was working my full-time job and I would go to, auditions at my agency. So in small markets, there's not really too many uh, projects that actually use casting directors. Okay. So like the agents would kind of uh, play both roles okay. where the agents would be contact contacted directly by the client who, you know, uh, is looking for actors. And then the agents would have auditions at their offices. So they would have a little taping room at the offices and they would bring the actors in to audition. So what I would do was on my lunch breaks, I would just go drive to my agency's office and go read for parts in local commercials and industrial videos and corporate videos and things like that. And that was like super fun. I would do, you know, I'd book one of those every once in a while uh, and just take a day off of work and, <laughs> and do that, uh, but still had my full-time job. And then I knew, you know, there were plenty of people that were in the class that were very much gung-ho about acting and wanted to pursue it as a career. So after a while of, of taking classes in Ohio and then, you know, doing some work in Ohio, they would uh, move, they would try to move out to LA. Right. And I know some, some of my friends that did that. And I was also very kind of naive to the rest of the industry. I didn't know anything about Atlanta at the time. So I thought like probably a lot of people do that it's either LA or nothing. And, uh, I didn't really want to do that, especially seeing some of my friends that went out there and it's just like, you know, it's just so hard out there. Mm -hmm. So I was totally fine with working my full-time job, doing acting on the side. 
And it wasn't until I met a couple people from Atlanta uh, because I started a taping service in Cleveland um, and I was the only taping service in Cleveland when I started it. And we what year was that? This was in 2015. 20, wow. 2014, so you were 2015. Like, and I bet you were on top of the tech, right? Because that's because that's the background you have here. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of tech savvy, but I wasn't not necessarily with cameras or anything like that. But I just kind of picked it up. I learned it to do that. And uh, I would randomly have people that would come in from out of town that needed something taped. And that's what happened when I met a couple actors who were from Atlanta, who were either here visiting or one girl was in Atlanta filming a movie. And uh, I taped an audition for her and she told me, I assumed she was from LA and she told me she was from Atlanta and she told me what was, you know, how the market was growing down, down there. And that's when I started researching it in 2015. And, uh, and then I decided just to move. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll, I'll try, you know, uh, going further with acting in Atlanta seems like a better place to try to do that than LA. And I talked to a couple friends from acting class in Cleveland who were thinking about going to LA. Hmm. And I talked them into visiting Atlanta with me one time. And the three of us came down to visit and all three of us decided we wanted to come down here. So we ended up all moving and living together for a little while. We've since moved apart and lived in different places, but we're still down here and uh, yeah, loving it down here. That's awesome. What was the deciding factor for you of Atlanta versus other areas? A big part was just cost of living. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's, I could afford to, it, it was more expensive than Cleveland because Cleveland's dirt cheap, but uh, compared to Los Angeles, I mean, I, I've been to Los Angeles many times visiting some of my buddies who, you know, went out there to pursue acting and just seeing the tiny places, um, that, mm-hmm. that they live in. And then looking at, you know, what I could get for the same price in Atlanta, that was a big factor. And then uh, the other thing was when I came down here to visit, like I was able to get meetings with agents. Yeah. You know, even before I had moved yet, I, I did have to say, hey, I am moving to Atlanta. Right. But I was able to get meetings with agents, whereas, you know, this, all the stories I've heard from people in LA is like, it's so hard to even get a meeting within your first few years or whatever, you know? Yes. It's Um, very hard to get me. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge thing. Like all three of us, me and my two friends from Cleveland, all three of us came down here to just to visit. And we submitted to all these agencies and got multiple replies, you know, and this was, this was 2015, early 2016. And so like, that was a huge thing too, because we didn't want to, you know, just go to a place and, and hope, Um, which is, uh, a a big thing, right, with people that move to move to LA because it's it's just so hard. Totally. Do you think it helped that you were um, the best way to say this is like a grown ass man? <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of like the agency meetings, or in terms of yeah, in terms of decide like kind of making choices about your career, you were already like a yeah. full fledged oh, adult. Yeah. Well, I, I've uh, that's a good question because I think I've thought about this a lot in terms of what I think are the factors that have led to my success. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think really um, was a huge factor that I I probably don't really think of on a daily basis is the fact that for, for most of my career, probably even up until now, even like I've never been the guy that from a little kid, like dreamed about acting. So I never really put that pressure on myself to succeed. Interesting. So um, I, I feel like because of that, like auditions have never been, you know, there were always nerves of like being on camera, like those types of nerves, but I never felt like the types of nerves that I hear some people talk about, like some of the people talk about on your podcast, right? That, that you know, you're nervous because this is something you really, really want. Yeah. And... I've never felt like those types of nerves. And, and I do think that has helped a lot because um, I, never, I was never the actor that had the desperation in, a, in an audition, you know? Mm, yeah, um, so, no, it's huge. Yeah, so I think that, that helped. And, um, and I do think coming at it later in life. So another part of, uh, another factor that I think led to my success was timing, which is everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But I think timing 
played a huge part for me because for one, you know, Hollywood in the past 10 years or probably just five years has had a huge push for diversity. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think just me in terms of my own personality and like, uh, and my, my type, I've kind of grown more into my type because I'm, I'm very much like I can play the corporate type all day long. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my twenties, like if I were, if I started acting in my early twenties, I probably wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been cast really cast as a corporate type because of uh, my youth at the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas as I've grown older, older and I started getting gray hairs, like now I'm getting auditions all the time because not, not only do I now look the part, but um, like that has always been kind of my personality. And even if I, even though my personality in my twenties was kind of like the, the kind of laid back kind of corporate type, I didn't have the look of it yet, you know? So I kind of got totally. into it later and it just works, you know, it worked out timing wise. So I th I've thought back to it in that, you know, had I pursued acting like, when I was 18, mm -hmm. I may not have gotten the opportunities that, I've, that I'm getting now. And I may not have seen the success that I'm seeing now. And maybe I would have quit at that point, you know? Totally. And I think that's, right? that's such a good point. I definitely don't want to gloss over is that, you know, when people say it's a marathon, not a sprint in acting, I think they think that that means there's like a win point, but I think right. there's just really like you work until you get until things start to line up and a lot of it has nothing to do with you and everything yeah. to do with time. <laughs> right. Right. It's so interesting. Yeah. I, I try to tell some people like, imagine like people that are just getting started, like imagine you're definitely going to see success, but it's not going to be for 20 years. Like what would you do with your life? If you knew that your big break was going to come in acting at some point, but it's definitely not going to come within the first few years. Like, what would you do, you know? So did you get a, like, full-time day job when you moved to Atlanta? No. So I had actually uh, already quit my full-time job as a software developer in Cleveland in 2014 um, because at the time I had worked for a while, uh, like nine years in corporate already. I had, I was single. I had no other expenses other than um, the house I was living in mm. and I had saved up a lot of money. So at the time I was like, well, let me see if I could just take six months. I was working, uh, contract jobs as a software developer at the time. Okay. So I'd finished a contract at the end of 2013. So January of 2014, I was like, I'm going to give it six months and not look for a new contract. And like the, the software industry was pretty hot at that point, And I knew that at any time I could get an interview mm. um, if I wanted to. So I wasn't worried about, so there, I kind of had that fallback plan. Yes. So I said, you know, why don't I just try to do more with this self-taping business? And then at the time, my acting teacher at the school that I was, um, I had started at, had asked me to start teaching uh, an on-camera class, um, an audition class. So I was doing like little, little things here and there for money. And, um, and then when I w came down to Atlanta, I just tried to continue doing that, you know, um, doing little side gigs and things like that for money. And then eventually like a year later, after moving down here, I started getting into getting into shooting headshots. Okay. Um, and that started becoming uh, like my, my main side gig. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. What was the, the difference in what, when you moved to Atlanta, right? Obviously there was a big difference because you had, you had already seen agents, you were moving, mm -hmm. like with acting was more in the forefront of your mind between your Cleveland work scene and your Atlanta. Uh, give me a little taste of the Atlanta acting scene. Cause I think a lot of my majority of my actors to listen to this podcast are in LA, but a mm. good deal of them are in Atlanta or yeah. thinking about moving to Atlanta. Yeah. And I actually recently listened to one of the interviews you did with Sarah Mornell, who talked about yeah. Atlanta, right? Yeah. She um, loves it there. And a hundred percent agree with uh, what she said about just, it's just booming. It's, it, yeah. it feels kind of crazy, especially coming from a place like Cleveland and never even having like a taste of any market other than um, a very small market like Cleveland, where I've, I've kept a little, what do you call them? Um, audition spreadsheet 
Yes. Bas yes. Basically, <laughs> basically since I started, basically since uh, my first uh, day with my my first agent in Cleveland. Was that something you did, by the way, by yourself, or you just wanted to keep your own data? Because I do the same thing. <laughs> because I came from like kind of this uh, um, corporate world where you know we track stuff and I was you like, have okay, meetings yeah. and spreadsheets yeah, and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> so I just started doing that um without knowing that that was something that you know some people have taught and they say you should do and I've definitely picked up some things where I, initially I just kind of tracked like days and when and stuff mm -hmm. like that and then, then I started tracking like casting directors and I know some people I don't do this but I know some people even write like what they wore to every audition and then you know what they got callbacks for so I started tracking my auditions in Ohio and I saw that in terms of like, there, so there are no TV shows filming in Ohio or any of the surrounding states. And <laughs> um, as far as movies go, maybe one or two movies a year. Uh, some of them, if they're big movies, like a, a couple Marvel movies did shoot like some of their um, second unit in Ohio, but because it was second unit, they weren't casting, you know, they maybe did some background casting. Uh, but if they were kind of the lower end of the um, of the studio movies, they would cast a few uh, day players. And so we would get, I would get maybe one movie audition a year. Uh, and when that did happen, it was like mind blowing, right? You, you would spend three days working on your two lines and uh so overworking so that, them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that would be that that was what I was used to and then coming down to Atlanta my first full calendar year in Atlanta I had over a hundred theatrical auditions uh that's amazing insane in compared to LA let alone insane. Cleveland yeah 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 yeah, I know that's that that's a lot. And I, I do think that so that's another thing that um, I think Atlanta has this advantage. Um, one of the things I don't think um, Sarah mentioned in her interview was that she did say that there there were fewer casting directors, right? There's only like a dozen, maybe 15 total. Oh, my God. Uh, that's, I'm still I'm so jealous of that. Right? I'm so jealous. Of and and what I know of L.A., and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what I know of LA is that, so so there's a lot. How, how many, do you know ballpark? Uh, how, how many, many offices cast? there are? Yeah, no, I yeah. have no idea. Uh, theatrically, I mean, I think theatrical is less than commercial. Okay. Um, but as most actors who are theatrically also go out commercial, mm -hmm. knowing both offices, I mean, it's in the hundreds. Like you can't even. Yeah, it's nuts. And, and, and they're probably very, uh, they're, very specific in terms of like what they cast, right? So mm -hmm. uh, like specialized, yes. like maybe like theatrical casting directors, maybe like the ones that cast sitcoms, like only cast sitcoms. Yeah, they've kind of forced, been forced to like find their niche so mm -hmm. that they can continue to work in the saturated market. Yeah. So I think one advantage here with Atlanta having so few casting directors is that like one casting director will work all kinds of different projects. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you got, if you're kind of in with them, you know, you're getting all kinds of auditions. Whereas I know actors in LA who have not only gotten auditions, but booked like TV shows, but they still can't even get an audition for a movie because they just haven't built that relationship with the, you know, right. hundred percent. So that doesn't really happen here. So here you, if you've built good relationships with those, like, 10 to 12 main casting directors here, you're seeing like 95% of the auditions that come into town. Um, so that's just like, that's, that's a, such a huge, huge advantage, I think. Um, and then another part of it with, uh, with actors or, or with auditions here being 90 to 95% self-taped. Mm -hmm. One of the advantages with that is because casting offices can see more people because uh, they're, everything's on tape. That means they're bringing in more people and they're more likely to bring in a greener actor. Because mm, the, they can take a chance on exactly. two minutes of space. Exactly. So it's not uncommon for a newer actor who doesn't really have any credits mm -hmm. to come to Atlanta and get an agent within the first year and immediately start getting 
auditions for like Marvel movies, which is insane. I mean, I think that half my listeners just moved to Atlanta after you said that. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Like I couldn't believe it when I came down and then, and then we're seeing it consistently. Do you feel like post COVID, right? Ideally, mm -hmm. this is going to come out in uh, spring of 2021. Sure. Uh, ideally post COVID, do you, do you feel as though it's going to continue that direction? Like based on what you've seen? Uh, so even before COVID auditions were primarily self-taped down here. Uh, um, commercial auditions were probably more in person. I'd say probably, so theatrical auditions were probably 90% self-tape, 10% in the room. Mm -hmm. Commercials would be the opposite. I think probably 90% were in the room and they would self-tape 10%. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, so I think, you know, after COVID, I think here in Atlanta, it's probably would go back to the way it is, the, the way it's always been. Like, it's not that big of a change uh, here audition wise with COVID here, other than the fact that commercial auditions have also been, uh, on tape. Wow. So have you, has it been pretty steady for you auditioning wise this year? No, no, no. I mean, they, yeah. the casting office is still closed down after, okay. you know, after I was uh, gonna say, all the production crap. shut down. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think they probably were, uh, much quicker to start back up because they were used to right? Taping, taped yep. auditions and Zoom callbacks and things like that. They were probably much quicker to it. So I think I started getting auditions again in September, mm -hmm. um, like slowly started trickling in. And then in August it, or not August, October, it felt like the floodgates just opened and it got to the point where it was like almost at pre-COVID levels, like in October, like we were wow. auditioning pretty regularly by then. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I, every, literally everyone's going to move there. I feel like after they hear <laughs> this, um, what is your, you, you wrote down a really funny thing I want to hit on. Cause I asked you what you'd, if there are any fun stories you'd like to talk sure. about, um, your first time on a TV set as a stand in and it oh. really went badly. Was that in Atlanta? That, no, that was in Ohio. Okay. So take me back to Ohio and tell me this story. So I want to say this was either 2014, 2015 ish. Um, there's a movie that, or not a movie, there was a show that filmed in the Southeast called Survivor's Remorse. And it, one of the executive producers was LeBron James. And this was when LeBron was still in Cleveland. And um, for one of their episodes, they wanted LeBron to be a guest star. And so I don't know if they shot the whole episode in Akron, but they, which is LeBron's hometown of Akron, Ohio. Um, but they definitely shot like the scene that he was in. They brought the whole, they brought the whole production up to him rather than oh to God. fly him down. Um, so when they decided to bring that show into town, one of the local casting directors reached out to me and said, do you want to be a stand in for one? So I guess on this show, I never watched the show, but uh, one of either one of the uh, recurring characters or perhaps he was a series regular was an, Asian actor. So um, the casting director reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to be a stand-in. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, I'd love to do it. I've never been on a TV set before. And she said LeBron might actually be there. So I was like, I was all about it, right? So the, the um, scene they were shooting with LeBron was uh, like a high stakes poker game. And LeBron was playing himself. And uh, I was not LeBron stand-in. I was somebody else. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> but Le so LeBron was playing himself uh, with all of like uh, the high rollers in this show. And there were like maybe six or seven people sitting at, around this poker table. So they had six of us stand-ins that were all local, local people. Um, and so we were all hanging out, you know, at Crafty as one does on set. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we were all hanging out and just waiting for, for them to set up the shot. And then eventually um, one of the PAs comes into the room and says, all right, we're ready for second team. And because none of us had been stand-ins before, none of us knew what second team meant. Oh, so we just they didn't ignored. tell you guys. No, nobody ever. I don't think I've ever heard it. You know, I've, I haven't heard anybody like tell us do you, you think know, there's an expectation once you're on a set, everyone just assumes you're I always so. on a set, which is yeah. like, I'm going to fix that. I'm sending out an extra dictionary yeah. by the time this is out. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's super important. Um, and uh, so we just ignored this PA, this poor PA, and she didn't know who she was looking for. 
she was probably just told to go find second team and they're probably in whatever room. So she came over and she asked and we ignored her. So she left. Then she comes back like two minutes later, like frantic and looks directly at us and asks us, do you guys know where second team is? And we said, no. (laughs) Then she leaves again. And then finally, one of the, like a producer or some somebody who knew who we were, like came up and yelled at us and got us oh over God. the set. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I, I think the crazy thing is, is that most most times, if you're the first person, if you if it's your first time on set as a a stand-in, you're probably it's probably not the only person. Like somebody, if you're gonna have six stand-ins, the expectation, especially in a market like Atlanta or LA or New York, mm-hmm. somebody has probably done it before. But yes. in Cleveland, nobody's done it before. Like we hadn't even heard of the term stand-in before. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so funny, right? How you have to, uh, there's just, there's that, that assumption that if you're on a set, you you must know what's going on and we're going to function right. as though you do. Um, right. What was your what was your first big Atlanta job or any specific bookings you want to share with the group? Um, oh, that's a great, that's a great question too. So- I mentioned that when I first came down to Atlanta, I got meetings with agents when I came to visit and I was already planning on moving down. Well, I ended up signing with an agent, not right then and there, but after I came back to Cleveland, we started, you know, kept in communication. I eventually signed with an agent and they agreed to, because everything was on tape, they said, we can start sending you a few things to tape while you're in Cleveland before you move. Cool. So I was like, that's great. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do that. And I already know kind of how to self tape. So um, I think one of the first like three things that I taped for was for uh, the vampire diaries. Uh And it was for like this paramedic. And you know, like, when you first, when you're first getting started, and you tape for something like you go through that whole process of like, of course, you're not going to book it when you first start. So, so then you go through your wait for that show to come out. So you can see who booked it and what they did. Right. (laughs) So I totally went through that. Um, and I, I remember seeing the girl who booked this part of this paramedic and then immediately thinking, oh, I totally screwed up that audition because, um, like I had no idea like how to do script analysis or anything like that. And like going to like, um, researching the character. And I like, I definitely played the paramedic too frantic. Like he definitely, you know, he, he did not know how to do his job. He it looked like it was his first day on the job. Right. Yeah. Um, so she was very calm and I was like, Oh, that makes total sense. Ah, see, this um, is why you have to watch the things that you go out for. Yeah, I think it's yeah. so important. Very much so. So then later on, like a, a couple months later, when I was getting really close to moving, actually, they sent me this audition for a show called shots fired. Uh, which was this mini series that was going to air on Fox. And uh, I taped for this lawyer part, which was like totally in my wheelhouse. So I taped for this lawyer part and, you know, hoping to hear back. And then, you know, a few weeks go by, I didn't hear anything back. So I kind of forgot about it. And then one day my agent calls and she says, Hey, they're interested in you in this role of this, this lawyer you read for a few weeks ago. And she's like, can you be in, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina tonight to film tomorrow. And oh. I was still in Cleveland. And I was like, uh, of course I said, yes. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll make it down there. And then she says, um, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't really understand how the industry worked at the time. So she had to like kind of school me on everything. And, <laughs> and she says, okay, well, you're not booked yet. You know, uh, let me just reach back out and then just uh, start making some preparations in case you got to you got to leave. So I started looking up flights and stuff like that. Uh, later on, so I think this started off like in the morning at like 10 or 11 a.m. And then like at one o'clock at 1 p.m. she calls again. She's like, okay, here's the deal. They're very interested in you. Like everybody's on board, but then, you know, they have to, it has to go to um, network sign off. Right. And she says, and she says most of the time that's a formality, but I can't tell you that you're booked. So, you know, you do without information what you will. <laughs> um, so it got to the point where I, you know, I knew when this last flight was to Charlotte and I, uh, I eventually got, to, it was like four o'clock, 4 PM at that point. Oh and I was like, all right, I'm just going to book this flight and, and just figure it out. 
and I tried to book it and then it was too close. If it's like too close to the flight time, you can't book it online anymore and you have to go to the gate to book it. Oh my God, this is so 1990 dramatic. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up, I just got in my car. I got, I got in my car and I uh, drove to the airport. I ended up going to the airport, buying my ticket. I uh, was still texting with my agent, still no word. I got on the plane, I had to turn my phone off. And it wasn't until I landed at like 9 p.m. in Charlotte that I turned on my phone and got a voicemail that said, confirmed that I was booked. So you were already there. Yeah. D was there a part of your mind that was like, this is not going to happen? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But I, I mean, you had to take that chance, right? As you, For sure. My first, first TV show booking ever, like I had to, had to take that chance. Um, so, yep. and the story honestly gets even crazier because, uh, since I didn't, I hadn't been booked yet. Um, they hadn't sent me anything. There were no fittings or anything like that. Right. They hadn't sent me the sides. So I was just going by my audition sides and memorizing that on the plane the whole, whole time down. And then of course they sent me the new sides for the next day and their new lines. And I got, you know, I'm trying to learn these new, new lines. And, uh, and because this was a new show. You know, there were no new, there were no episodes of it. I hadn't, I couldn't do any research of that. Oh right? yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't study. Right. Right. So I didn't know anything about it. So now it's 11 PM. I'm in my hotel room. I did have the new line. So I've been studying that. And now they send the call sheet and I look at the call sheet and it's Richard Dreyfus and Helen Hunt and me. So I'm like, I, if I wasn't already shit in my pants because it was my first TV show. Now it's two Oscar winners and me, and I'm trying to frantically learn these new lines. So I don't know how I got a wink of sleep last that, that night, but I did. I got some sleep. I get to set the, the next day. And my the thing that saved me from like completely just like um, going up in flames was that when after they shot our scene, I, I played Richard Dreyfus's attorney. So I was I needed to be really confident, right? Like I was supposed to be this. This high wow. power attorney. See, that's not even like, that's not even like no. small lines. You're like using yeah. big jargon yeah. and speaking. Holy shit. And that was your first, oh my God, keep going. I'm so invested. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm like, I, I'm literally shaking um, when, when we were doing the, the master shot, but be, luckily is the master shot and they don't see like my hand, my hand shaking. And I do have to like stand up and like hand out papers to like the people sitting around the room. Um, but the thing that uh, that saved me was that after they shot the master, they you know they go into coverage and luckily they went to uh, Helen's coverage and Richard's coverage before coming to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and both of them flubbed lines at some point during their coverage, and I was so relieved. Can you imagine if the two Oscar winners just crushed it, <laughs> and then it comes to me? <laughs> You know, they do like, and you're like, I don't know what the second team is. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They would have called second team and I would just stay there. <laughs> you just, you're like, I'll also, I'll also do that if you need me to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh, God. Man. That's an it was amazing such a crazy, story. crazy first job. Yeah. Did you feel like in that moment, like you're like, oh shit, I'm an actor. I don't even, I kind of, I probably blacked out. Like I, I, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember much of like that filming. There was, there's one part, if you look at the clip, uh, there's one part where like in the middle of me talking when they were doing my coverage, I like shift in the seat. I do like this. I notice it, but like most people probably don't, don't notice it while, no, while no they're watching, right? But I notice it and I distinctly remember that because that was totally a nervous thing. Like in the middle of me giving this speech about it, I just do this like, you know, plop down again. <laughs> Dude, but but when you wrapped, right? So you went yeah. home, you're moving the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you like, oh, I, I'm, did you feel like a little legitimized? No, no not at all. No, <laughs> um, it's, you know, we have that uh, imposter syndrome even, even after that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much self-doubt all always i remember oh, one thing i do distinctly remember was after we finished the scene the director saying hey kurt great job and 
the first thing that goes into my head was, does he mean that? Or does he only say that to people who sucked to make them feel better? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's such an actor thing to think. Because yeah. that absolutely, yeah. if he took the time to speak to you and say right. that, it means you right. did a great job. <laughs> That's so amazing. Ugh. Okay, so I I definitely don't want to miss talking about your YouTube channel because we have a lot of actors who are creators in their own right. And you started a YouTube channel. It's the Actor Career Center, um, which is where I originally found you. And I am just fascinated. One, I want to hit on like where this came from first. Okay, so it didn't start off uh, as what it is right now. Um, it kind of evolved which I'm sure your podcast has evolved as well mm -hmm. uh, since the first days. So um, I started the YouTube channel actually when I was still in Cleveland. And the reason I started was because I saw some other YouTube channels for actors, but they were very much geared towards people in LA uh, because that's you know where the most people that are interested in acting are. And then talking about uh, the film and television industry and stuff like that. I thought while I was in Cleveland, maybe I could start this YouTube, YouTube channel or my own YouTube channel specifically for people who live in markets like Cleveland or similar markets that don't have movies and shows, but there are still opportunities for actors, um, just not like the big, the big opportunities. And so originally it was called Small Market Actor. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was like my early videos. If you go back to my first like five or six videos there, they have Small Market Actor branding when I, you know, when the video pops up. Okay. And then I, I did like six or seven videos and then I just wasn't consistent and I kind of fell off the map for a little while. And then I moved to Atlanta and then things, you know, it, it, the whole thing with moving and then starting out this new market. And I just like kind of stopped for a long time. And then 2020 happened <laughs> and we had nothing to do. Uh, so, and it had always kind of been in the back of my head to make more YouTube videos and kind of start that up again. So mm -hmm. around, uh, I want to say it was March or April when we, when we realized this was not going to be like two weeks and it was going right. to be much, much longer. Uh, I decided, oh, you know, I have some time. Let me just start this, uh, YouTube channel back up again. So I rebranded it to acting career center and, um, to talk more about um, the stuff that I learned since I've come down to Atlanta. And uh, that was basically like that. It, it was a great, you know, it was a great thing for, for me personally, because it definitely alleviated that, that need for to do something for one. And then also that, that uh, artistic outlet and that creative outlet uh, just to come out out and do something. And, uh, so that was like twice a week since, since, uh, April, I've just been wow. pumping out these YouTube videos and it's been, I've, I've been having a lot of fun and interacting with the people that are, you know, commenting on the videos. That's one thing that I think is really interesting compared to like a podcast. Like you don't mm -hmm. get, you, you don't get like that interaction with the people listening as much. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's yeah. a huge uh, minus in the market yeah. of podcasting that we don't right. get that. I try to create it in Instagram, but it is, yeah. you know, after the fact. So it's not, it's, you have to really like manipulate it. First of all, what would you recommend as your favorite videos for actors to check out on your channel? Like, were there any that were like really popular? Yeah, they're you know, like the popular ones are not my favorite. <laughs> Um, that always happens that, to me. I know exactly right? what you yeah. mean. <laughs> um, so for a long time, I mean, one of them is I do like I do like the videos. Um, the one that was that kind of I don't want to say went viral, but got the most traction mm -hmm. on YouTube uh, was one of my earlier ones from when I was still in Cleveland called uh, "How to Answer Tell Me About Yourself" at an audition. Um, mm. cause we would get that a lot, especially at commercial auditions in, in the smaller markets. You get that here too. That's yeah. actors yeah. should watch that video. <laughs> so, um, that, that got a lot of traction and that is the thing that like kind of like that got, I don't know, 50 or a hundred times more views than any of my other videos. Wow. Um, up until recently, like some, some of my recent videos started, uh, taken off as well. Um, which is like one of the interesting things about YouTube is that 
you know, people talk about it as a, it's like the world's second largest search engine after mm -hmm. Google. Um, a lot of people, myself included, will go to YouTube to find answers to things mm -hmm. and, and type in questions to YouTube. The really interesting thing about YouTube in terms of like how you as a YouTube creator can like kind of grow in popularity is that there are so many ways for people to find your videos rather than just the search engine aspect of it. Like my videos, the videos that I have that are the most popular that have got, gotten the most views haven't necessarily been found via search. They've been suggested videos um, because like YouTube seemed to be the first company to kind of do the, what, what feels so creepy right now, <laughs> the way that, you know, social media hears us talking and, yes. <laughs> and starts giving us advertisements. But uh, YouTube was like the first ones to where if you watched an acting video from somebody, then they'll recommend this other person's acting video, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's how my video started getting uh, seen was that, you know, some of the people who had acting channels that were more established, somebody watched one of their videos and then I had a similar video and then they started watching mine and mm -hmm. that's how um, my video started getting popular. But I think that the ones- Is that something you can control by the way? Is that like an SEO thing or? Sort of, yeah. And I still haven't figured out it all, but- Okay. And I don't think anybody has, but I mean, there, there are things that you can do to like try to get it seen more in, in recommendations as well as search and you know, mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, when you figure them out, you let us know because yeah, right. <laughs> we want to know. Yeah. Um, but I do think one of my favorite videos, uh, potentially my favorite video is the one that I did on Atlanta because it, it was, I remember when I made it, it was, uh, it, it, I was very genuine with um, explaining how just like mind blowing it was for me when I came down here and experiencing what I experienced in terms of the amount of auditions and the amount of opportunity that I got coming down here. Yeah. And I really wanted people to understand. And, and, and another big reason was that I knew for me personally, like I didn't know anything about Atlanta uh, prior to someone telling me about it. Right. And I, and me along with probably a ton of other people, even now think that you're either going to LA for film and TV or you're going to New York for Broadway and there's no other options. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of people still have to be told that there, there are these other options. And um, like in my, in my opinion, like Atlanta is just, it's, it's one of the best, potentially, I think the best option for people who are just trying to break in, trying to get, get into the industry, get their foot in the door, get their first few credits. Yeah. And, and even now, I know there were people that had had come to the the had come to the Atlanta market with the with the plan of coming here and hopefully breaking in and hopefully getting some work and getting some credits on their resume and getting uh, demo reel footage and then moving to LA and then those people have decided no I'm just going to stay here yeah like, <laughs> it's just it's going to it's going uh, too good right now and then. We're starting to see, you know, Atlanta for a long time uh, before I was here was uh, a co-star market only. <laughs> and then it's grown so much and it's going to continue to grow. Like it's gotten to the point where, yeah, they're, they're, they're starting to book a lot of guest stars here and recurring guest stars. And then I know a handful of people that have booked series regulars, uh, <laughs> like directly, like directly out, out of Atlanta. There were some people that were here that were auditioning with, in L.A., you know, and then would fly out to LA to test and then maybe mm -hmm. book something out there. But there are a couple people that have booked series regulars like directly out of Atlanta now. So it's grown to like, to that um, right now. And I think it's still gonna, it's still got plenty of room to grow. Good, great. Because I'm telling you, a lot of actors are now on their way there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a couple other YouTube questions for you, Sure. Um, specifically in terms of like content creation. How long does it take you to make a video? Because I think uh, I personally get very intimidated by YouTube because mm -hmm. it, it takes a lot more work for me personally mm -hmm. than making a podcast does. Yeah. Um, I remember you hearing you say on one of your, I think the one that you were interviewed, uh, yeah. that, that it like the time that it takes you for, for your podcast. And I'm sure when you first started, like you were like, okay, this is probably how much time it's going to take. And then you realize, wait, there's this extra stuff that. Yes. That I absolutely thought it. this took like 
an hour of recording and then like 10 minutes and that was of it. posting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, same thing with YouTube. And um, so I, I don't know exact number. I can't tell you how long it takes me to record a video. So like okay. a video that's like 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. will take me anywhere between an hour to two hours to record. Wow. Like I, I actually do, it, it takes a long time because, well, sometimes if I really plan it out beforehand, then it might go a little faster. Sometimes if I just have a couple bullet points, then I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> and then it's like, it starts coming out super weird. And then I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll do another take and I'll do another take. That's, that's um, how my solo podcasts go. Right. I understand. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the thing with YouTube is that people are so used to the jump cuts in YouTube videos, right? Yes. So it's, it's not that big a deal. So I'm not trying to get it all in one take. Uh, so I'll, I'll say a few things and then, and then sometimes, you know, because I don't plan it out uh, that much, then I'll, I'm like almost done. I'm like, Oh, I never mentioned this. Where do I fit this, this part in? So I might like go back to the middle and re-record like half of it. So it does take me at least an hour. I want to say just to record each video. Okay. Um, and then another, uh, another hour or so, maybe more in terms of like editing and then exporting the video. Editing is the part that I think intimidates me the most. As far as the video goes? Yeah. Um, you want to talk me down off that ledge? I would. I mean, I would almost make it however you're editing your podcast right now. Like I would just do the same with your videos. Like you would, I, you would just keep your camera stationary mm-hmm. and then it would just be jump cuts. I mean, you would just jump cut whatever uh, audio part. Like I edit mm-hmm. in terms of my audio, not my video, right? So I just like in terms of what I'm saying... If I'm saying something stupid and I cut that out and then I, it's just a jump cut to the next section and that's it. Um, okay. Like you could totally just be recording this and then edit it and post it on YouTube and it would just be a podcast that's on YouTube as well. As, I've, I've considered. I've considered. Right? <laughs> like the way Joe Rogan does. Yes. Uh, yes. And then... Soon you'll be also a hundred million dollar. <laughs> then, then Spotify is going to pay me a hundred million dollars to come exclusively on their channel. Exactly. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of creators are super interested in YouTube, but they also don't know where to start. So if you mm. could give like a couple bullet points on where you would direct someone to start a YouTube channel right now. Uh, honestly, the same as a lot of things is just to start. Uh, not to worry about being perfect. Um, similar to acting, it's, you got to play the long game because you're not, you know, your first couple videos are not going to gain any traction. They're, nobody's <laughs> going to watch them. Like all 15 views are going to be your own views. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so there's nowhere. Yeah. That, that, but there's going to be room to grow. So you're, as you continue to put videos out there, that's, that's one of the things that I've read in terms of the YouTube algorithm is that they want to see consistency with their creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the more that you do and the more consistent that you are, the more they're going to promote your videos uh, by suggesting it, you know, when people are watching other videos. So that's a, that's a big thing. I'm, you know, you see a lot of people, I'm sure in the podcast world too, like people will start a podcast, they do three of them and then they just fall off the map. Which is what, which is what I did with my YouTube channel originally, Mm -hmm. you know, I I did like three YouTube videos or or six YouTube videos, and then I kind of fell off the map. And I'm hoping that this doesn't happen, you know, once everything picks back up again, like I did, it was always in the back of my mind that I was like, I had this worry that because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, I have nothing to do. I can, I have time to do this. Mm -hmm. My hope is that once everything picks back up again, I've gotten into enough of a routine where maybe I'm not as, uh, maybe the videos won't be as frequent as I have been like twice a week, but maybe I can continue doing once a week or every other week. Um, but definitely not like three years in between videos again. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so definitely start, just get started and then be consistent. Uh, start posting. Um, it depend. I mean, it doesn't, it really, it depends on what your channel is going to be about too. I'm actually very surprised that there aren't that many actors on YouTube. You know, I, I would Me think too. that there would be a lot more. I think there's a, 
I think that there's a there's still a a mental bar that exists between actors and influencer content, and mm-hmm. it's slowly going away. Yeah. Um, and I think it should go away because it's a, a really open market and a great place, you know, to get your feet wet in some ways. But I do think that it has a, a sometimes influencer stuff that that comes in terms of social media and that kind of thing leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, just a blogger. And it's like, yeah. I think that, you know, obviously you and I talking are clear examples of this is actually a really great way to open your network, expand your own knowledge base, meet new people, uh, get better on camera, like, you know, listen to your own vocal tones, that kind of thing. 100%. I mean, I just in the short amount of time that I've been making uh, YouTube videos, I've expanded my network a ton. I've I've met uh, people that I've interviewed on my YouTube channel, and then other people that have just reached out. Uh, uh, There was a agency in Tennessee that recently reached out and they're like, Hey, we saw one of your YouTube videos. We really liked it. Would you want to do like a little zoom workshop with our actors to talk about Atlanta? And it's like, yeah, that sounds great. You know? So like stuff like that'll, will happen. Um, another thing that I I think is probably a similar advice that you would give about podcasting is don't try to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's something that I think plagues um youtubers because of both uh, audio and visual side like i think Mm -hmm. for podcasting they're like oh what's the perfect microphone that i should get or what's the perfect right um youtube is probably the same thing they're like oh what's the perfect camera that i can get and and the perfect lighting and all all i just use exactly what i'm using for self-taping like i Mm -hmm. change nothing my youtube uh little my youtube studio is my self-taping room where I have my, I have a little bookshelf that's on furniture sliders. I just slide in. <laughs> Genius. And a, yeah. And there's a nail in the wall that I hang my, my one, uh, my one little poster from Jurassic Park. Yes. And I, that gets hung on the wall. And then when I self tape, I just take that off the wall and slide that thing out of the way. And then it's, and then it's done. So it takes me 20 seconds to transition from self taping mm-hmm. studio to YouTube studio. Uh, and I don't really worry too much about like this. This is the mic and camera that I have, so this is what I'm going to use, and it's fine. And like I can hear a little bit of a difference between me and like the million subscriber YouTubers that that have like really great equipment and probably have a crew, right. you know, shooting their right. videos. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, similar to your podcast, at the end of the day, it's about the content. So if people like the content, they're going to come back, even if it doesn't sound, you know, exactly. A hundred percent. And I think the, the only other thing that really holds people back too, especially in doing something that's not just throwing up a fun video is mm-hmm. the idea that if they're going to uh, place themselves as something in front of a camera or a microphone, they are then have to be seen as an expert and they have yeah. to be able to back it up. Was that yeah. ever a thought in your brain when you started yours or when you started, especially in the pandemic, did you feel a little of that imposter syndrome come back? Like, who am I to be uh, being a, an expert on acting? I definitely had it in the beginning, but then I think at the uh, uh, as I started doing, um, I don't think it was even necessarily the YouTube videos. I started just uh, listening to like kind of motivational speakers and stuff like that. Like, um, like Gary V. I remember hearing like the stuff that he talks about of how um, you don't have to be an expert to talk about anything. Like you, you just have to be one step ahead of the person who's listening or the person who's watching. Like that's all you need to be. And like that has really stuck in my head for like, I don't know when I heard that years ago. So ever since I heard him and, you know, probably multiple other people talk about a similar topic. Um, I felt a lot more, you know, secure about it and and confident about it. And I know that, you know, there are these like famous casting director YouTubers and, and you know, talent agent YouTubers. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, I'm not going to have the same information as them, but they're also not going to have the same inf- information as me. Like they're not going through the acting part of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think uh, at this point, I feel a lot more like secure in it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Kurt, this is so great. If you want to direct people um, beyond just your YouTube channel, which is going to be linked in the show notes, which is Actor Career Center, uh, where else do you want to direct people to? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. 
it's acting career center acting um, career center did yeah. i say actor oops yeah i mean it's all, <laughs> at, you know the funny thing is almost like a week after i created that uh website and the and the name of the youtube channel and branded it and everything i was like i hate this name <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like I was, i'm like i'm already too far in it's i've already too created deep. the website yeah it's yeah. too deep it's too deep i listen i've been told by lots of people that my name should change and i refuse so right. it's fine <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah acting career center uh look it up on youtube and check out the videos and leave me a comment i try to I've been trying to reply to all the comments on my YouTube videos, but now like as it's continued to grow, it's becoming like really, really hard. And I've set, I've set a precedent now and I'm like, how do I stop? <laughs> I don't know at, at what point, at what point do I just like, do I just completely cut it off? Or do I, I only reply to the comments Is there like a date per video? To? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Know. We'll just keep getting you more views and we're gonna send uh, about a thousand actors to Atlanta. Okay, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kurt, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you, Sam, for having me. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Kurt, thank you so much for your time and energy. I love what you're doing on your YouTube page. I think it's so helpful. Guys, if you have not yet, you should go check out his YouTube. It is in the show notes. There is so much good acting advice and just general pieces of knowledge from Kurt on there and for actors in any market, right? Not just in Atlanta. So you should definitely check that out. Next week, we have on commercial booking queen, Amy Argyle. If you're not yet following her on Instagram, you will be soon. She's going to open up to us a whole hell of a lot. So buckle up because I think she's going to surprise you. If you haven't yet, please make sure to rate and review this podcast. I know everyone says that, but they don't really explain why. <laughs> it's legitimately what gets podcasts seen. Uh, you don't really buy things on Amazon unless you have reviews, right? So rate and review this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Make sure you're following on Instagram and you're signed up for the newsletter. Guys, thank you as always to Maggie Zabo for our gorgeous theme song. And thank you to Helena Santos for helping produce this season. I will talk to you guys next week.